Today, um, hi there. I want to talk about what it means to be disciples or followers of Jesus who seek to, to serve others. Because um, it's, it's an essential part of being a Christian um, and it's a big part of our DNA as a church. It's one of what we, what we call our hallmarks is to be servant-hearted. And um, I was really encouraged um, just the other week at our Inspire Potential Leaders training. I was chatting to um, Jack and he was explaining, he said, you know, a lot of organisations, they have these mission statements or you know, whatever. They're basically just like a words on a poster um, that are aspirational, but they don't actually describe what you experience. And he says, but, but since I've been at Trend, I would say it's been my experience. For example, I serve, he said, on the production team and my team leader, Gail, who is going to be embarrassed because she's here today, embodies servant leadership in the way that she leads us. And I found that really encouraging because as a church, we want to be servant-hearted because we just love to do that. It's the kind of, we love rolling up our sleeves, getting stuck in. A little example of this, a few years ago now, um, we were in the final week of a building project in our home and um, it was stressful and I, was, I felt overwhelmed. I was frantically decorating while the builder was still finishing off. And uh, that week, um, Nigel, who you've just seen, clocked that I was a little bit stressed and he said, look, would you like me to come along and help out a little bit? And I was just in that place where I was too exhausted to pretend that I was coping. And I practically burst into tears. I was like, yes, please. And Nige turned up that week with, with backup, with a team of helpers. There was people in every room of the house. His wife, Helen, was painting our kids' bedrooms. And I remember our builder walked in and he just looked around. He was like, where have all these people come from? They're like ants. And he said, if only I could get my people to work this hard. You know, so if you are here um, today exploring Trent as a church or watching online, um, please know that if you're, if you're looking for a church where you can just sort of like turn up, listen to the talk, have a little sing-along um, and not necessarily just chill, then eventually you'll probably find that this is an uncomfortable people to be around because we want to encourage one another to put what we believe into practice, to get our hands dirty, to serve others, to love our neighbour as ourselves. And the reason that we do this is because it's because of Jesus, because Jesus is our servant king. Um, it says in Matthew's gospel, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He is like, he's our model, our inspiration, our teacher in, in all of this. Um, Simon, Simon Gilbo, a speaker and missionary who's spoken here a number of times before, I've heard him say, how far is too far when he went this far? And it's been inspiring during this time of lockdown to hear all the stories of how far people like you, people amongst our church have gone. Just hearing, I mean, you know, Kat and Mary in India and her team, the way they serve their community. But here in Nottingham too, people like um, Dee and Becky Bevan, apparently when the hot, food kitchens for the homeless in the city had to close. They, they jumped in to help fill the gap, each week helping to cater around 50 hot meals for, for homeless people and low-income families. Or Hazel, after meeting a particularly vulnerable homeless person at the drop-in, her heart was stirred to just go above and beyond. And so she got on the phone, persuading, chasing down people, advocating until she secured accommodation for that person by the end of the following week. People like Ali on the youth team. Um, she, she, um, I heard that she herself has found lockdown immensely challenging. 
Um, but she was mindful that the groups in her, so the, the, the young people in her youth small group were also finding it hard. And so she just made the decision to just push out of her comfort zone and continue to support them. And so she was doing that on Zoom. She was meeting them for walks or at the youth centre one-to-one, encouraging them, pointing them back to Jesus on their journey. And uh, one person in her group, her parents sent a gift and they said, our daughter um, has said that she's felt supported, that somebody felt um, somebody to fall back on during the hard times. And I, I could just go on and on and on about small group leaders, microgroup leaders, Trent, um, Trent youth team, the production and media team. It's hard to express how far above and beyond yeah, they've gone during this year. Just done an incredible job. And it's especially encouraging, I think, to hear when you think about the fact that it's been hard enough to look after ourselves during the pandemic, let alone have the capacity to serve others, hasn't it? Many of us have been coping with fatigue, grief, stress, um, and there have been so many practical barriers in the way, of course. You know, the, all, the, sort of like, all the, the closures, the rotors have gone on hold, doors have closed all around us, and restrictions on our interaction with people that we love to support and loved ones. And so we've constantly had to kind of rethink and reevaluate how we can best serve others. And there have been periods, of course, where actually the best way that we can serve the community around us is literally by doing nothing to control the virus. So now, as we're in this phase where like, some of the restrictions are beginning to, to be lifted, hopefully for good, but who knows, one question that we have to ask ourselves is, what does it look like to follow Jesus' example and seek to serve others now? How do we, how do, we do that? What does it look like? Who and where? And I think for some of us, the question that we might be asking is why? Because this pandemic has presented the opportunity for us to just reflect and reset our life a little bit, um, to stop all the, you know, the clubs, the commitments, the routines and the rotors. And perhaps we're realising that we don't want to go back to a life that was just too busy before. And we may well feel less passionate about things now. You know, for me, that, you know that phrase, absence makes the heart grow fonder? I think that's debatable. For me, it feels more like absence makes the heart grow dimmer. I have struggled at times with feelings of apathy. And I think the more disconnected that I've felt, the more likely I've been to ask myself, you know, why bother? What is the point? I remember at the start of the pandemic, we were like, you know, dropping off parcels for the neighbours and dropping them little cards and, and doing loads of stuff like that. But it's, it's felt hard to keep that momentum going. And I don't know if you would share any of those kind of reflections. But if you would, I want to st- share a story today about Jesus that really spoke to me recently in, in Matthew's Gospel. It's the story of the, the feeding of the 5,000. And uh, you might have heard it, but I'm just going to start reading from just a little bit earlier in chapter 14, which chapter 14, it starts with the story of how Herod imprisoned and then subsequently executed Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist. And so we're going to pick it up um, in verse 12. John's disciples came and took his body, John's body, and buried it. Then they went and told Jesus. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. 
As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, they, don't, they did not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We only have five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. I like to imagine Jesus rolling his eyes at this point. Bring them here to me, he said. And the rest is, is history. If you know this story, the whole crowd gets miraculously fed with a packed lunch. Now, the most wonderful and amazing thing about this story, I guess the main reason that it's in the Bible is, of course, the miracle. It shows that Jesus is the Lord of creation. But when I read it the other day, especially in the context, the thing that struck me was Jesus' servant-heartedness in this encounter. When you think about it, he was, he was grieving that day. Jesus had known his cousin John since before he was born, in Luke's gospel, it, it explains how John, as a baby, had leapt for joy inside his mother's womb when the two of them met. John had later baptised Jesus and paved the way for his ministry. There was a love and a respect reciprocated in their relationship. And so for Jesus, this was hard. And, and probably the execution of John and the unjust uh, sort of circumstances would have probably been a reminder of the path that lay ahead for him. And so he is grieving, he's reeling, he's tired. This took place during Jesus' ministry that you could probably describe as, as Jesus mania. Like everywhere Jesus went, there was crowds. In fact, in Mark's um, version of this story, it says that so many people were coming that they didn't, coming and going, that they didn't have a chance to eat. It's Jesus. And so it says, Jesus withdrew to a solitary place but hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot. Have you ever been in that situation where you just need some space and people won't leave you alone? There's a word for it. Um, parenting, if you've ever experienced. <laughs> but you know, that's where Jesus was. He was tired and harassed. And so when Jesus saw the crowd, he could have said, can you not just give me some space? Can you not just leave me alone? But he didn't say that. When Jesus saw the crowd, he had compassion on them. In Mark's account of the story, it says he had compassion because they were sheep without, like sheep without a shepherd. And so he taught them, he healed their sick. And when they got hungry because they'd been too thoughtless to bring any food, he fed them. He served them the servant king. And I want to suggest that Jesus' motive for being a servant and hopefully our motive for serving others, the key to being a servant is, is, is in the heart. The difference between serving to look good or feel good and serving the way Jesus did is a difference of the heart. And I think we see this in Jesus in a number of places in the Gospels, in a story, in the story of the feeding of the 4,000. Little what, similar miracle that happened later in another town. Jesus was teaching and healing and a massive crowd. And Jesus, he called his disciples to him, this is uh, chapter 15, and said, I have compassion for these people. They've already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry or they may collapse along the way. Um, similarly, in a place called Nain, um, Jesus was moved one day when he saw the funeral um, and he saw this grieving widow. Um, her only son had died. In chapter Luke, in chapter, in Luke chapter 7, verse 13, Jesus said, 
it says, when the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her and he said, don't cry. And he raised the dead son back to life. And I love the ending of that. It says, Jesus gave him back to his, his mother. He gave the mother back her son. That miracle, it wasn't really about the son or the crowds. It was about Jesus' compassion for this widow. On the last night that Jesus had with his disciples, before he was going to die for them and for us, he spent time with them. He taught them. He reassured them. He washed their stinking feet. Even in the midst of grief and tiredness and exhaustion, we worship a saviour who cares enough to move amongst his people, amongst people like you and me, and ha- allow his heart to be m- moved by the brokenness that he sees. And so I think there's this dynamic at play when we see these stories that when Jesus see the, sees the needs of people, their problems become his problems. And then what often happens is that Jesus' problems then become his disciples' problems. That's what happens in the feeding of the, of the 5,000. Um, Jesus' disciples say, we better send them away or they'll be hungry. Jesus replies, verse 16, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. They were like, we've got a packed lunch. That's all we've got. But it says in verse 19, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. He got the disciples involved. Notice Jesus really provided all the food miraculously. All they had to do was be his hands and feet. I believe that it's our job as disciples of Jesus to each play our role in being servants like him and allowing our hearts to be stirred and moved by the things that move his and if we wait um, for God to sort of like miraculous, if we wait for God to break our heart, um, you know, through some sort of like vision in the middle of the night or whatever, we might find that we wait for a while because my experience is that more often than not, he breaks our heart when we do what he did. We go to the people and places where we see, hear and witness the needs around us. I think our heart is unlikely to be broken while we're binge watching Netflix, we have to make ourselves available. And that might involve just pausing and asking God, inviting the Holy Spirit to speak to us, and we'll do that in a moment. But it might also involve something practical, like picking up the phone, knocking on a door, signing up for something, trying it out, asking somebody if they're okay. I would say over the years at Trent, I've I've served in loads of different teams um, and different ministry areas. But one pattern I think that I've noticed is that my, my heart, my level of passion for that has kicked in, not before I got involved, but once I did. It was, I remember it was like that with youth and it was like that with Alpha when I got involved in that. Because the more time you spend around people, the more you care about their stuff. One little example of this just in the last few months for me during the pandemic, I've been part of this really small team that have gone out doing a stripped back version of the soup run the last few months, serving hot drinks um, and food to the homeless community. And the first time that we went out, we didn't know. We'd heard that the homeless people had all got accommodation and um, we didn't know if we would meet any or if there would be any need out there. But as we walked around, 
We heard stories. We met people. We met people who hadn't been able to cope with the rules of the accommodation. They'd been kicked back out on the street. We met a woman who was too scared to stay where the men were staying because of previous experience. Another uh, woman who was out in the freezing cold with wet shoes and no socks. We met people who were in need of some food and a hot drink and just somebody actually looking them in the eyes and listening to them. And by the time we came back, certainly for me, these people had begun to find a way into my heart and into my prayers in a way that they wouldn't have if I had not spent time amongst them. That's how it works. Now, of course, for some of us, this whole idea of like serving others is hard, especially now, because we can't get out there, do stuff like that yet. It may be that we're having to shield or be careful. We might be waiting for the vaccine or, or we're just, some of us, we're just working through stuff still and we're just not ready because it's been a traumatic time. And please know that if, if, if that would describe your feeling or experience, totally get that. There's no pressure in this message. You don't need to explain yourself um, and you're not letting anyone down if you're just not ready. But at the same time, if Jesus is our model and our inspiration for serving others, I think his example, certainly in this story, shows us that if we, if we wait until the day where we're completely not tired, or if we wait until the day where we're completely free from pain and grief, we may end up waiting a long time. So what moves your heart? Is it the lonely widow on your street who lives a few doors down or the the generation of young people who need investing in? Is it the poor in our city or overseas, the sick, um, the person who's just come nervously um, to church for the first time and needs welcoming? I don't know who it is for you, but if you'd struggle to answer that question, I want to encourage you to, to look, to look around. Like Jesus, go to the people and places until you see something that moves your heart, and then serve it. And if you're stuck at home, um, it it might might have to be a bit more creative. Perhaps it involves picking up the phone and asking somebody, you know, who you haven't heard, how how are you coping? Would it help if if I sent you this package or would it help if I called you every week? And for those of us who aren't stuck at home in that way, and um, if you would consider Trent to be your church, one thing I'd recommend is considering serving on a team. Um, It's one of the four things that we encourage members to do alongside giving, joining a small group and coming along, engaging on Sundays. It's a great way of getting connected and sort of growing as a person. But but above all, it's a means of serving Jesus and serving like Jesus. And so, you know, whether you're re-engaging in that from from before or, or starting out afresh, lots of the teams that we have have been on hold, taking a break for a while. But um, we, as things are opening up, we've got a lot of slots available, opening up on kids, on compassion, on Sundays in particular. Um, and so if, if, if you consider that, there's a connect link that they mentioned earlier. You can go on that, tick the serving on a team box and somebody will be in touch. Now that's just one example, but it isn't all about church stuff. There are opportunities are all around us. Um, and, uh, you know, on our streets, in our workplaces, in the communities around us. And so just want to spend some time thinking about that. If, if, this, if serving comes from the heart, then I want to close by encouraging each of us 
to check our pulse and ask, Lord, where do you need me to be your hands and feet today?